No, I don't practice any religion now. I I, I pull from all of them really. And the, I mean, through my research, because I do a lot of research on ancient history, I pretty much dissect what probably is from source and then take out what's probably man-made, you know? Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of man-made stuff. To think that, first of all, when I say man-made, I'm talking literally, right? Or the patriarchy. And then just to think that humans didn't want to exert their own control in order to sway the public opinion over thousands of years because it's a pure it's a religion that's pure that doesn't make any sense uh if you look at almost every religion in the world that especially in the day and age not too long ago where religion pretty much ruled the state and you know the countries that the power was so involved in religion that the ones that were you know um, you know, at the head wanted to be able to manipulate the public in order to follow them more. When it came to King Henry VIII, creating, um, breaking away from the Catholic Church because of his reasons, right? Whether something beneficial came out of it later or not, his intent was in order to be able to do what he wanted to do. When it came to having to pay penance in order to basically go go to God, but now we realize that it's more of a personal relationship with God rather than having to pay pay money to an institution in order to get to that level, right? So there are many truths in there. And if you look at it from a logical perspective and from a non-triggered perspective and a non-judgmental one, you can immediately pull from there what you think is the the truth and what has probably been added by humans. And not only that, it's actually out there what has been added. You can even find out the years it was added. You know, you can even look up King James Bible editions years it will give you the person who wrote it when they wrote it what they put in even the crucifixion story there's like a two verses in there that wasn't even there until like a thousand years after it happened hey yo welcome to the godcast You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! Was there an awakening moment? So this is like an all-encompassing awakening. It's all-encompassing. Every day, as they would creep in, I would just have to stop and catch myself right in those moments and say, God, I trust you. I'm not going to be afraid. I've been giving you my fear. And I also came to the understanding of what you're saying, what you can't have light without dark. But then I started having the thought of, well, if we didn't have nighttime, and we didn't have the winter, then plants would never stop growing. So if we never had issues, then we would only grow more. The thing with me, I never got into the astrology stuff. I never got into really doing any kind of energy work until I was very firm with Jesus. And it's a thing with me and Jesus where like people are praying and I'll get the sudden urge to tell that person to give your burdens to Jesus. And they'll say like, oh, I was just trying to talk to Jesus. Welcome to Godcast. The goodness over darkness podcast. Here's your host, Emmanuel Kingman. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Godcast, the goodness over darkness podcast. I'm your host, Emmanuel Kingman. And here with me for the intro and the interview is the wonderful, lovely Mimi. Hello. Hello, my love. So on today's episode we had on special guest neil gar and neil is host of portal to ascension and wow did he bring it in this episode we we got a lot of information out of neil 
we talked about Jesus being uh, where he was between the ages of 13 to 29. We talked about the difference of, uh, not the differences, but we talked about the similarities of Hinduism and Christianity and how they're very, very similar. Uh, we, he told us about Pythagoras having a lot of the same qualities as Jesus. And we got to uh, a lot of different things. I mean, he had some great grounding techniques at the end. Where, you know, I, I want to let you guys listen to it. I don't want to give it all away here. But this was such an informative episode. And uh, you see Mimi is busy writing away. In my brain. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, she is. Uh, she was not. Uh, she was taking a lot of notes because there was a lot of information here that was being said to us that was very eye-opening and Neil did it in such a great way like cutting through all the the red tape essentially you know that all the divisionist tactics that have been used and he knows his stuff I mean when we were talking about ancient civilizations he was naming a lot of things off that I haven't heard elsewhere and I looked into this stuff fairly decently you know I, I like to look into many different ways and understand things from many different points of view. And he brought a lot of stuff that I haven't heard before. So, you know, this was very, very eye-opening for me. And uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I want you to get involved in the intro here. Sorry. We had to do it quick because you're leaving in a minute. So, so what was your take on Neil in general, you know, with him bringing forth all this information did it open your eyes in any way no it just kind of confirmed a lot of things for me that i've kept within myself so that was good okay. i like when that happens i like when uh thoughts that i've always had or thoughts new thoughts even uh are um verified so to speak yeah yeah and i mean it's the portal to ascension right so it was like this was a, a coming together uh, and especially where I've been in my journey recently is don't divide. Don't try to separate yourself from others. Try to find common ground. Uh, the, the one phrase that keeps popping up to me is, do you find solidarity within your differences or do you find division within your similarities? Mm -hmm. And it's, that's a perspective thing. And I think with Neil, we were both looking to find solidarity in our own sense, you know, not necessarily on this conversation that happens as a byproduct of trying to do what God wants us both to do in our own way. And I mean, I learned a lot of different stuff about how Hinduism, you know, when we look at different pastors and people in uh, Christianity that point to certain aspects and they'll say, look, that's evil because of this. And Neil brought it back to the beginning. Well, it was changed because of people, but the way that it started was in a divine sense. And that was really helpful for me because, you know, I think that I don't want to say Christians are doing bad things or pastors are doing the wrong thing, but they're really it's trying to. Any ultimates, yeah. Yeah, they're trying to scare people into thinking like them. And they do it. And, uh, it's not that they're doing it purposely to scare people. I don't think, I just think that they may be scared for whatever reason. And they say like karma, you know, they bring up that question of, well, what's, 
with the untouchables. And I talked to somebody else last night and I asked him his opinion on that, which I'm going to try to get him on the podcast in a few uh, weeks here. But, uh, you know, it's the same thing. He had a similar idea that it's not a good thing. And Neil actually taught us where that comes from. And it's white supremacy again, you know, in our history of of that happening. So it seems like to me that history and all of creation is really uh, fractals and it's smaller and larger events that are repeating themselves. And to me, I think maybe Jesus is the one for everybody, that it's not just for certain locations, Mm -hmm. that it works for everyone everywhere. And no matter what it is, I think he is the main character of everybody. But I think that you don't have to say his name in order for it to work. I think he is just the one for all the black sheep. And I think that everybody here essentially is the black sheep and he's going to reach us where we are. Come as you are, right? That's the saying uh, in Christianity, but they don't really practice it all that much. They want to tell you, no, leave that there and come to me. And when Jesus says, no, come to me, I'll show you grace wherever you are and I will walk you through whatever your decision process decision making process is i'll walk you through all your thoughts and your actions and i'll i'll help you become someone who is worthy of of making it to heaven because and i don't want to say people aren't worthy of making it to heaven but it's we have to let go of certain aspects of ourselves in order to ascend you know we we are actually held on to these attachments that keep us in these denser realms uh, whereas we have to realize that we're the ones doing it and when we make decisions we let it go we let the negative go we transmute it we don't play around in the karma anymore you know it keeps coming around and we do the same thing i feel like the only way quote unquote out is uh growth you have to grow and yeah. if you don't grow, then you're just going to, you know, you're just going to not grow. You're just going to still be, uh, quote unquote, in. Yeah. This is like a testing ground or a battleground, a school. It's a definitely a school. Yeah. Where we have to learn how to become. We have to have the discernment of God. You know, we can't just. This is the, the mystery school, the my story school. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm, very interesting. I had a lot on that last night uh, and on Facebook with some people. I, Not that I had an argument, but I had a, a back and forth a little bit with someone about history. And, and they were trying to tell me how important it was to learn and be taught history in school. And it's there for us to learn from and 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 to to be able to know things that have happened. And then I had my little comeback of, how do you know that these things actually happened? Is it just because mm. you're being told they happened? You cannot know something unless you experience something. So there is a history, his story versus mystery, my story in my life anyway. Wow. That's some deep stuff there. I mean, man, you're not one that would typically do that on no, uh, social I, media. And it was, a, you know, it's a family member, but, you know, and I wasn't, it wasn't anything. Um, mean or anything like that it was just this this is my viewpoint and this is your viewpoint on this one thing Mm, wow 
Very interesting stuff. Yeah, I, I love how you put that because history is his story. It's the mm-hmm. story of the victor. And it seems that, you know, I'm obviously white. I've got my ancestry, uh, whatever it's called, ancestry in me or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm white all across the board. You know, it's I'm a little bit of Mediterranean as well. And for some reason, it didn't say that I'm native uh, American at all, but my father knows that his great grandfather was native american so you know there's something to that where maybe uh that doesn't show up for whatever reason they keep that from us uh, i'm yeah, I've part never, of never tested mine i don't think i would want to <laughs> yeah i was part of a native american indigenous church that i joined a few years ago and they told me that uh yeah it's often happens where people get their dna taken and that's withheld from them and it also could have been that it was just my mitochondrial DNA, or I don't even know if that's the proper word, but it would be my mother's side is what I got tested instead of my father's side. So I don't know how... You don't know how that all works. Yeah. The science behind uh, testing your blood is to figure out where you're from. And it, right. It's, that's all, that's all a mystery to me, too. Yes. But anyway, I was, you know, I say that because I it's white people that have been doing the stuff that isn't up to snuff you know so and i'm all white so it would be my history is part of that so i think that's really i think the fallen angels were white super white actually i think they were like the color marble and i think that at some point that maybe everything was flash frozen and then or you know was heated up real quick and then frozen real quick and that the marble statues that we see are could be the actual beings not all the marble statue statues but some of them from greek could be that they were the actual greek gods the fallen angels that were heated up and then frozen and then they were locked in as rock because and that's why we have the marble is like the most divine uh rock that you can use now you know the whiter it is it's always that way for some reason and if we had a voidless or a colorless void, a, you know, a, a black mm. sea, that what would be the opposite of that would be granite, very white. I don't would know. be the opposite of marble, technically? It... Well, no, I don't mean rock. I mean, if we, so if I we just, have... What you were saying made me think of um, <laughs> the Guidestones and the granite capital and the, the opposite of white. Oh, okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I'm just saying like a black background, what mm. would... What would you put on that? You would put what would show up, right? So if God created the angels before he created the earth, then if, and it was a void, it was black, then he would create them. They would be the opposite, the light, white. Right. So mm-hmm. they would be very white to us. And Neil in here talks about cream-colored people coming from North Russia, where St. Petersburg... That was interesting. Yeah, St. Peter's Gate, you know, St. Petersburg coming down, and they started mixing with the darker colored people, and and that's where the untouchables came from, a a white supremacist type of thing. It was an interesting uh, Fallen Angels uh, take for me, that, that they maybe have fell, technically, or went south from Russia. Yeah, Dan Anunnaki, Dan, and uh, and Dan Anunnaki, Dan, and Andy Rouse talk about that in the box saga often. I don't know why my mic keeps being muted by StreamYard here and switching 
where my mic is. I don't Depends know what's on happening. what we're on to when we're speaking, I guess. Yeah, I'm not sure. It's been happening a lot lately, so it's just a, a pain. It happened a few times during the episode as well. So I'm not going to be able to edit it out because I didn't write down the times, but you guys will hear it. It's only a few seconds of silence. So anyway, I think that'll do it for this intro. Make sure you check out all of Neil's stuff on YouTube, uh, Portal to Ascension. I'll have the link in the description. I really want you guys to go over there and check out all his stuff because he does a lot of great work. He Every day he's putting something out now, he said, you know, uh, for a while now he's been doing that. So I really want you guys to check that out. Uh, make sure you check out my website, emmanuelkingman.com, and you can hit me up for a spiritual baptism. You can hit me up for the mentorship program. You can hit me up just to have some phone conversations and guidance hmm. where it's, it is a mentorship program, but it's without being spiritually baptized. It's just talking uh, because I've been through a lot of d difficult things in life, a lot of challenging situations, and I've improved from them. So I know different techniques and different ways, and I can understand you where you are in your journey, and I can help you get out of it. And, uh, in a logical, and reasonable sense. If you need me sense. there, I'm here for you. Yeah, Mimi is also available as well. I have well. been uh, asked to be present, uh, uh, well, once yeah. or twice now. So uh, that's been very good for me, actually. Yeah, and you guys can email me. If anyone wants to, you know, just talk to Mimi and not me, you know, email me and I'll get it to her and uh, we'll get you guys in touch. So I think that's going to do it. Make sure you stay tuned after the bridge for our wonderful interview with Neil. And without further ado, here is Neil Gar. Welcome to the Godcast. Cross up on my back, I'm slaying demons. It don't matter what you call that. Searching for the truth, facts are facts until they fall flat. It's looking like a story, man, it's all cap. But it's goodness over darkness, it ain't all bad. I met my maker, but I was called back. Emmanuel, show my people they're under a spell. Heaven or hell is free will. I made my choice and now it's well with my soul. I pray the same for you as well. Welcome to the Godcast. Welcome to the Godcast. Hello, everybody. On today's episode, I have on a guest who has deeply researched religion, spirituality, and conspiracies for several decades. He is a rapper, a YouTube uh, podcast host, and also has a platform that is helping reach the masses. He is host of the Portal to Ascension. Everybody, welcome Neil Gar to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Dad. Thank you, thank you. So good to be with you. Yeah, it's so good to have you here. I have been a fan of the Portal to Ascension for since I woke up. Uh, nice. I came across that. Uh, you and Justin DeChamps were uh -huh. like one of the first uh, two people that I found. And I was like, wow, this is some incredible stuff. Uh, so it's an honor to have you on the show. Dude, I appreciate that, man. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so do you want to give our audience a little bit of uh, background about who you are? Yeah, for sure. So hello, everybody. My name is Neil. And yeah, I'm the founder of Portal to Ascension. And the way it all started is, well, whenever I give my story, I kind of give my full story because it's really about how I woke up and got into all this work in the first place. So I was born in England, in London, and I moved to the US when I was 12 years old. And I was born into a Hindu family. So 
from Indian, from my parents are from India and um, raising Hinduism. And pretty much I just followed the rites and rituals that my parents told me, you know, they, they said, um, told me what to do. And I just did it. I went to temple at a very young age. I would be singing songs there. But then when, as I started growing older, I realized that I really didn't have any firm beliefs or identity within religion. Like I was just doing what I was told to do. And as I started connecting with other Indian, first generation Indian kids born out of India, I realized it was kind of a consensus between, from most of us that so many of the, and a lot of them today still are like completely immersed in their religion, but just doing what the parents said without any belief or even thought about what God is or anything like that. So as I started having these thoughts and ideas of like, well, what is religion? Who am I? I, I was graduating high school at the same time in the year 2000. And when I went to college in Cal State Fullerton down in Southern California, I started, as a lot of people do when they go to college, connecting with many different people. I was already listening to a variety of music, but my music expanded on a whole other level and um, started wondering and becoming curious of what is the root of all religion? Like I was seeing all of this division in the world and, you know, I was diving into a little bit of Christian text here and seeing all these other religions were saying that my way is the only way to God. And I was saying, that's like so interesting that all these religions have so many similar beliefs, but at the same time, they're saying this is the only way. What if there are multiple ways? So the first question that came to me when I started all this at like age of 19 in 2001 was what is the root of all religion? Uh, at the same time as I had that thought, I was writing spoken word poetry. Uh, and my spoken word poetry at that time, it was like more like science fiction. It was like black holes, this, extraterrestrials, interdimensional travel, you know, all that kind of like, um, like scientific intellectual jargon that I was just thought I was making up. So I, I started looking up not only what I was writing on the internet, but also like exploring just like ancient civilizations. And then I came across four individuals that were, that I've had the opportunity to work with some of them more than others. Um, that really was kind of like the awakening for me. And they were Jim self who speaks on um, simultaneous time and the Merkaba light body and Nassim Haramein, who basically the bottom line of Nassim is he shows us through mathematics and science, how we're all interconnected. Then uh, William Henry, who's also a star on Ancient Aliens, and um, uh, he's an investigative mythologist. And then Jordan Maxwell, who is huge in the occult wisdom, you know, the bloodlines and secret societies and all that. So that was all like all at once. I started getting this info and I started reading the Sumerian Tablets of Creation. Within the Sumerian Tablets of Creation, I started seeing all these stories that other religions in the world, including Islam, Hinduism, um, Jainism, uh, Christianity, and beyond, had actually pulled from this original source text and changed the stories and put it in their own religions. So I was slowly getting towards the fact that there was a source code, there was some original text that everybody pulled from. But the smoking gun was that the text that they pulled from also spoke about another planet in our solar system and that there were extraterrestrials that had visited our planet for quite some time. And a lot of the stories that were taken into other ancient texts, um, let's just talk about, for example, the Noah story, which comes from the Epic of Gilgamesh, which is the ancient Sumerian scripture. Um, basically, Gilgamesh was a hybrid extraterrestrial um, giant that lived on Earth. And Noah's story is the exact same story, 
but just taken out the ET component of it all. So to me, at this point, it, it became, well, either you can say all religion in the world is complete BS because it's all coming from this ancient text and they're just changing it up themselves, or maybe there is some sort of cosmic connection to our origins. Hmm. That's yeah. interesting. I think the word religion is a very tricky thing. I think it means more tradition than it does anything to do with spirituality, but we just put it in a context of spirituality. But, mm -hmm. you know, I could wash my clothes religiously. I could uh, go play basketball religiously, you know, so uh -huh. it, it's the way that they word things. It's all word magic, really. And uh, yeah. they trick us with things. And it's interesting uh, that you're saying, you know, Gilgamesh was a giant. Could it be as above, so below that? on a larger dimensional scale, it was a giant and, or, or, you know, it started with the Sumerians and then lower dimensionally would be us. And that would be Noah happening simultaneously. You know, I always think of mm. those types of things, especially when we talk giants and, and the size of things, I think everything has gotten smaller for some reason. Well, and then that goes into many other stories in which like you can talk about it metaphorically in, in like what you, what you're speaking about right now, but then also, there are, um, for example, the Paracas people in Peru. And it looks like, even if you look at the ancient Greek texts, let's talk about that, that the giants were the first offspring. No, the, I'm sorry, the Nephilim were the first offspring of the fallen angels with the gods. And then the giants were the offsprings of the Nephilim with the humans. And then they continued to hybridize until they literally started looking like us. Yeah. So they went from you know looking like giants and then that's the whole connection to the bloodlines of the secret societies yes. that they think that they were connected to them originally but now they walk the planet looking like you and i yeah and i i have also come across uh this and i've i get you know quote unquote downloads and meditations and all and that's what i really got is that the the people who run this realm are the relatives of the nephilim of the yeah. giants and they they couldn't procreate together so they had to keep hybridizing with humans in order to, uh, and they would get them smaller and smaller, but that's the only way they could reproduce and why they would have different families that they reproduce with. Uh, like famously, I think it's the Goldsmiths and mm -hmm. the Rothschilds. Uh, they always procreate together and why that would be, you know, is because they couldn't keep the family line going if they didn't do that. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that for sure. Yeah. So very interesting stuff. Uh, that you got here so the the sumerian tablets so let's get into that just a little bit so uh well what's your opinion on how old the earth is because i know the sumerian tablets are about like six thousand years am i yeah. correct on that yeah yeah exactly well you mean like um how old the actual planet has been around for how long the has it been around civilization for? how long civilization okay yes been? yes so i feel that we go through cycles of time cycles of consciousness you know time is not linear and time linear, linearity is just a construct between the fact that we exist in certain place in in relation to our sun, right? So if you if you even step outside of our planet in a spaceship and you are now like maybe like a few inches closer to the sun than you were before, now you you have your own concept of linear time. Literally, just because of the fact that we are where we are, linear time is what it is. But then in other dimensions, right? As we go higher in dimensions, time becomes more secular until we get to the point that all things exist at once. So ultimately, I feel that everything exists at the exact same moment. However, we exist within the third dimension, which is one dimension of space, two dimensions of time, and the two dimensions of time is beginning and end. And um, as, we, as we as we ascend, we go into, actually, I'm sorry, we're in the fourth dimension because the fourth dimension, 
let me just take a step back here. Four dimensions, length, width, and height. The fourth dimension is us being lodged within those three dimensions, right? Mm. The f- so it's two dimensions of space, two dimensions of time, beginning and uh, end. As we go to the fifth dimension, we're adding another point of time, beginning, middle, and end. Now we have a triangle, a integration point. When we're in this reality, we have we have the duality because we have the two polar opposites. So that's the whole concept of, um, you know, the secular time component. So now getting back to what you said. So we have the linear time that we see and that we observe because we're within this construct of these dimensions. But then as we expand out, we start looking at ancient civilizations that were around for thousands of years, um, some of them, and also had some sort of cosmic knowledge like the Maya, um, the Greek civilization, India, the Zoroastrians, and even the Kabbalistic text, Kemetic text, which is Egypt. And they talk about secular time, that time goes in cycles that follows the procession of the zodiacs, which is around 26,000 years. And within that, we have evolutions of consciousness and devolutions of consciousness, that we basically go to a higher state of awareness every 13,000 years, and then we take another 13,000 years to devolve. As we evolve, we start having full remembrance. Our bodies um, start uh, operating on a whole other level. Um, parts of our brains that are dormant start activating. Our DNA strands, you know, activate as well. There's a whole science behind that and evidence now about the multiple DNA strands that we do have. And um, but then as we devolve, those elements start, you know, going offline. And the reason why they go offline is because we're in such a dense reality that the frequencies do not support that activation. So that goes hand in hand with not only us going up you know, in consciousness again, but also the position of our solar system within our galaxy also is really important because um, I'm actually doing a presentation this weekend on this, showing the dynamics of the way our solar system rotates around our galaxy and the different places it goes. There's all types of various forms of cosmic radiation that bombards our planets in certain intervals, almost like in patterns as we move around our galaxy. And the theory is that some of that cosmic radiation as well as what's going on Earth here, actually supports us in remembering and having, you know, activation of consciousness. So now to get back to the original question, which is, how old is civilization? I know for sh- I I I feel there's enough evidence out to show that we've had advanced societies here on Earth for at least the last twenty six thousand years. Okay. And but they say great civilizations only really appeared around six to um, around eight thousand years ago, and um, it looks like there are cataclysms that occur every now and then, almost as if a pattern. Sometimes it's every um, six thousand <laughs> years, but it seems every thirteen thousand years there's been something that happens on the Earth that almost resets and restarts a whole new civilization. And this isn't even. Um, fringe science this is conventionally accepted that even if you like um basically if you dug the same distance under the whole of the planet to go back around thirteen thousand years ago there's this whole layer of like uh, solidified volcanic ash that basically shows that there was probably an asteroid that hit the planet around thirteen thousand years ago in the young Adrias, resetting civilization okay so and even though that happened we are still finding um, evidence of structures that date back that far, that far ago, right? That goes way beyond ancient Sumer, even though 
um, there was some sort of cataclysm. So my question is that if there was a great civilization 13,000 years before that, 26,000 years before that, and we're barely able to find and discover the evidence of the one that existed 13,000 years ago, right? Then chances are there were other great civilizations that we've been going through this cycle for many, many times, but who knows what kind of cataclysms occurred and how it got buried, um, if everything was wiped from the planet, you know, there's all types of prophecies that the planet was scorched with fire. So I think it goes back way, way farther. We're only starting to discover it now. I think you muted. I don't know why uh, my microphone just switched on me. I'm sorry about that. But uh, yeah, I think time is also cyclical that it's not uh, just linear, that there are different uh, cycles that are going on over and over. Uh, I, you know, it's really tough to say how old the earth actually, or not the earth, but civilization could be because yeah. when we look at all the resets, I don't, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the covered up history with this quote unquote Tartaria stuff that's coming yeah. to fruition. So I think there was a, a bunch of resets and they put us back so I think that happened many times now that really throws things off because we could do archaeological digs that say five resets happened and they were each 200 years. So something could have happened in the quote unquote 1800s, but then archaeology would say it was a thousand years ago because, yeah. you know, it, it's a weird place where that's all at. And I think right, right. everything is just really thrown off and we're not, we can't understand we don't have the capacity because everything has been messed with so much we don't have the capacity to understand how everything actually operates yeah and the thing with archaeological digs and carbon dating is you can only carbon date organic matter right mm -hmm. so if they're finding stone structures you can pretty much say whatever about right. those and if you find stone structures that are really really old and then you find a piece of papyrus in there or a piece of a, a, a shipwreck that's wood you can just say oh, well, it's as old as this piece of thing that we found in there, but that doesn't mean that was the original person that was in there. Mm -hmm. And a great example is Egypt. Um, some people think that the Sphinx, for example, well, it's actually pretty much a given now through geological studies, and Robert Schock, you know, who we work with, came out with all of this, that the Sphinx is definitely at least 13,000 years old, which is around 11,000 BC. Um, however, the, the main piece of evidence that we're looking at is the fact that the Sphinx was facing the constellation of Leo when Leo was the predominant, um, you know, um, zodiac in the night sky. So Leo was actually also in the same exact position 26,000 years before 13,000 years right. ago. So which makes pe some people think like Billy Carson, he believes it's 36,000 years old, even older than that. So it's it's all really speculation at this point. Maybe one day we'll get some evidence that comes out, but it definitely goes back way further than we've been told. Yeah, and I recently just saw, I don't know if it was a meme or something I came across that said, what if it's actually not supposed to be a, a lion, but it's actually the, the face of a man like Aquarius and the body of a lion like Leo, and it's just saying every 13,000 years, because on, mm -hmm. uh, on the astrological signs, you have Leo on one side, Aquarius on the other. So it would always be that alternating... Uh, thing which is interesting which then it, maybe it doesn't go back thirty six thousand years maybe it's only the twenty six thousand years so 
a lot of interesting stuff uh, that that has been happening on this planet. So I wanted to get into uh, a little bit of uh, Jesus, not in the Bible, Uh, you know, his age uh, 13 to 29. It's not in there. And people like to make assumptions as to what he was doing uh, as far as Christianity. They really try to ignore that part for whatever reason. For me, uh, I, I'm a truth seeker. You know, I, I really want to understand what was going on. I think that uh, the Bible is a very special book and it's numerology, it's literal, it's astrology, it's anatomical. Uh, it's so many different things mm-hmm. all happening at once. If you change the spacing of the letters in Hebrew, then you can make whole new sentences that make it a completely different thing at times. So I, I really want to uh, ask you, because I know that you've done all this uh, type of research, what is going on with Jesus from the ages of 13 to 29? Well, first, let me, there's a few different, um, you know, people that have come out with information on this, one of which you might have heard of, which is the Rancha book. Have you heard of this book? Yes, I actually have that. And as Justin Deschamps is yeah, the one that recommended it. Yeah, He's big into it, too. So that that's pretty mind-blowing, right? That... Um, um, basically, he spent some time in India, and he was a teacher to a child there, and probably spent some time with Buddhist monks as well. So during his lost years, there's actually a book that was found in India about his lost years as well, separate from the Arantia book, and they even had a name for him over there. So to me, it's pretty much a given that he had explored the world, maybe not just India, but um, if he was an enlightened being like you know we believe him to be, uh, to feel that he would just stay in, in one area and not want to explore the world and get, you know, and not only um, teach the world his message, but also learn from the experiences that people are having would kind of be ignorant, you know, why would he just want to basically stay in that one area when he has the opportunity to explore? Plus, the Silk Road in that in his day and age was like, was actually in his heyday, right? So the connection from where he was to India wasn't an, a hard thing to basically do many many people did it sages prophets there was a huge sharing of wisdom there even um ancient indian uh, practices for example the rosary bead actually comes from the mala bead so oh, wow. many of the traditions that christians ended up using was actually you know not found in india not founded in india discovered there but definitely was utilized in india as well so I think that there was, he was definitely over there, um, even so much so that if you look at Gnostic Christianity, right, Gnosticism, that pretty much everything that was before 325 AD, before Constantine came and did his thing and had the Council of Nicaea, it's almost like a combination of Buddhism and um, and Christianity as we currently know it. And there was also the Book of Love. There was the Book of Reincarnation. His resurrection represented the the reincarnated and the infinite soul. So many of these elements were then taken out uh, from Constantine. So to me, there's more evidence to suggest that he definitely had connection to this other religion. It's, that was one of the first things that really stood out to me too when I was waking up, is realizing the similarities from Christianity and to Hinduism. Because I was born and raised in England, and I you know, celebrated Christmas, and um, I had a belief in Jesus, but not religious belief, just knew he existed. I watched the King of Kings growing up as a Hindu kid, you know, and my 
I would was watch like Jesus movies during Christmas and all that. And it was just common for me. But then if you look at, um, but would a Christian do that for Hinduism? And the main reason they would not do that is because Christianity says that there, Jesus, well, fundamental Christianity, that Jesus is the only way to be saved. Whereas Hinduism says in their Rig Veda, there are many pathways to the same destination. And that's a direct quote for why there are so many different spiritual traditions on the planet. Different traditions need to come from different people. Plus, the reason why many Hindus accept Christ as existing is because he's spoken about in their text as a prophet that was going to basically come down to earth again. Some Christians, um, you know, fight against Hinduism and religions that came out of India because they think that they're monotheistic and then um, it, monotheism has nothing to do with pagan religions. But what they don't realize is monotheism actually came from pagan religions. And there's a lot of similarities within those that Hinduism, Hindu people would not even consider themselves pagan because most Hindus, if they know the actual scriptures, would tell you that it's a monotheistic religion. There's only one God and it's Brahman. Brahman is the universal consciousness of all that is. Mm. And then every other being is one of two things, a literal extraterrestrial fragmentation of source or a metaphoric personification of that one being. That's their true original text from the Vedic knowledge. But then what happened over the devolution of consciousness, because Hinduism was around for uh, like thousands of years. So as it devolved, it became very ritualistic. And as it became ritualistic, they started making and personifying all these beings as individual entities rather than what they really represented. So mm. that was kind of the separation from it all. I feel that Buddha... And, and, and also Jesus went and dissected the truths from it all and tried to resurrect the original information, which was, you know, the basic messages. We're all interconnected. We're all one. And the number one message of all that definitely is in the East, the kingdom of heaven is within you, you know? Hmm. Very interesting stuff. Uh, yeah, so when I look at what was going on before uh, Jesus was here, you know, there there was obviously something happening, uh, and I don't think that everybody was just earthbound when they died. You know, I don't think that because when we say that Jesus created the way, I think he created the way for the those who were lost. Uh, mm -hmm. That 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 was something they could latch on to. That he said, "I'm here for the sinners. I'm not here for the righteous. I'm here for those who are lost." And uh, I think that there's a whole lot of different things. Uh, that that were going on and like you said uh with personifying things i think that's what really has happened in catholicism uh in a major way in that mm -hmm. uh these angels and uh saints that they're praying to it, it's essentially the same idea so i see catholicism as really the christian version of hinduism in that sense like maybe yeah. i don't want to say modern uh, modernized but something to that effect that they've they've kind of did it and then they say no you guys are wrong because you use other words than us and it's really the same thing uh, and i so i do have a question i thought vishnu uh was the creator god i thought krishna was the son of vishnu so i obviously i'm wrong on that could you inform yeah. us on that a little bit okay, so Brahm, brahman is source all that is the one okay. god right vishnu shiva and brahma 
Brahman and Brahma are two different people, right? Okay. Vishnu, Shiva, and Brahma are all the Trinity. Here we go again. Now we got the Trinity okay. in Hinduism, okay? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Vishnu, Shiva, and Brahma. So they are actually incarnations of Brahman, which is the all-creating Father Universe, okay? okay. Um, Shiva was the only um, immortal one. So Vishnu and um, Brahman, Brahma were actually able to, they had long, long lives, but they were able to be killed. Hmm. So Shiva was so immortal that he actually, there was a poison that came down to earth, right? And um, uh, this poison basically filled all the uh, waters and people were dying from it. And Shiva went and, you know, did his magic spell and basically sucked out all the poison from the waters. It was blue in color. And he drank it, and then he became blue. That's that's okay. why he's blue. And um, so, and then okay. So in in Hindi Sanskrit, the term for blue is Neil. Neil, my name, Neil, right? Mm -hmm. And um, the name for blue throat is Neil Kant. All right, Neil Kant. Kant is throat. My first name and middle name is Neil Kant. So I'm. Wow. My name is Shiva's name, but check this out. Neil Kant actually represents the poison was the influx of DMT into the waters. Okay. So this is how, so Neil Kant means blue throat, which actually means DMT. And then because he drank that, that's how his third eye opened and he became fully enlightened and created yoga and became the first yogi. That's the whole story of it all. Wow. So that's how he became blue. Are you familiar with uh, our ancient cultures not having blue except for yes. the different parts of India and Egypt? And yes. it's only like 200 and some years old. It's very strange. Yeah, I know, man. I'm actually, I, I've done some research on that. And I want to put a whole presentation on that because it's some amazing information there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Th this so, is. Go ahead. I was going to just because you asked another question. I didn't finish. You said, is Krishna the son of Vishnu? No, Krishna is a reincarnation of Vishnu. Okay. Mm. And Krishna was born to a virgin mother, was known as a carpenter, was called a savior by all of his people. Right. Um, was um, had a, a spear put in his side as he when he died. Right. And there's another like six different things that are the exact same story as the Krishna as the Christ story. And they even have almost the same name, Krishna and Christ. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so with that, a lot of Christians will say that this was a different. Uh, this was a mockery of what was to come. That they'll say that uh, fallen angels essentially knew, or Satan knew the story of what was to come, and that this they played this out because they didn't want to face punishment. So then they tried changing their way. And in doing that, they uh, they presented a false god as if he was God before God actually came down. What's your take on that? Do you think Jesus is uh, not the creator, that Jesus is uh, just an avatar, or that he is him and Krishna were essentially above the rest of us and that they came down at different times for different reasons in different parts of the world? Yeah, the latter part. I definitely think that there came down different times um, for different parts of the world, for different cultures that needed them. You know, you throw a Krishna with his, um, you know, setting with his Indian culture into Jerusalem is probably not going to work out. And in India, there's been a lot of prophets. So um, since 
you know, they track their religion back for sure to at least around, let's say, the Vedic days of 5000 BC, right? That's like 6000 years or and it was probably orally done for at least two to 3000 years before that. So maybe like because the Indus Valley civilization, there was oral tradition and a lot of this these scriptures come from there and that existed at the same time as Mesopotamia and Sumer, right? Mm -hmm. So when so it'd been around for quite some time and during that time many prophets had come down to the earth and the prophets would come down when humanity needed them the most and if you study the cycles of time which every ancient culture talks about but ancient india actually happens to have a graph with the dates on it you can see the different shifts in the ages and the cycles that we're going through from the dark ages to whatever age and at the end and beginning of every age an avatar incarnates and um at the beginning of um at the very close to the beginning of the Kali Yuga, which was the dark ages that we we're in, we had all these incarnations from um, from Pythagoras, because I'll tell you in a second how his story mirrors Jesus. And I have a graph here, so I'll go over it if you want me to. But um, um, to, to Jesus, to um, Buddha existing, to um, many other avatars that come down on the planet, and it's basically humanity's consciousness was at such a level that they needed an influx of awareness and these beings come down in order to provide it to them some places more than others india was really um was really um, benefited of the fact that the himalayas basically held them all in this one area without being able to be fully invaded for thousands of years and because of that they were protected from a lot of cycles of time and cataclysms and and catastrophes and even invasions until they weren't until mm -hmm. technology increased to a level where they were able to do that so their spirituality grew but the spirituality grew so much that it became all these other religions the amount of religions that came from vedism vedic um text and hinduism i mean probably hundreds and all these different sects and gurus you can go to rishikesh and there'll be like 300 gurus there right now because they're all trying to sell you on their level of awareness that india became at one point it was just a, a place to experience and to express spirituality in your own form until it got to a point where it became commercialized in this capitalistic world you know but um so what you were saying here is what would i say to the people that are saying to uh, would say that well you know it didn't happen in the right way they try to freaking maybe mock it or um something happened that relates to the fact that it's maybe satanic which also connects to the fact that a lot of people think paganism or polytheistic religions are satanic i feel that it's not the case at all i think that it can be argued someone can have the same arguments when it comes to christianity and luciferianism and the connection there the what it looks like is that we just get what we need when we need it and these beings come down to provide us with certain messages and the message is, has never been, follow me, follow me, I am the only way. Even though that's what the quote seems to say in there, but Krishna said the exact same thing. He said, I am the light and I am the way. Hmm. That's his words, okay? Hmm. So he, and he didn't come down to say, my way is the only way and everybody else you should kill, right? right? So, yeah, so I'll just leave it at that for now, but... You get where I'm going with this, right? <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I want to touch on the Pythagoras thing. Yeah.
you muted again. Yeah, sorry. I don't know why my mic keeps on muting. This, this is uh, it's getting annoying now. Streamyard keeps doing this to me. But anyway, uh, so this I want to get to the Pythagoras thing in a moment. But it's very interesting because yeah, like you said, Jesus doesn't say he's the only way. He says I am the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. But I've also had moments in me where I I just feel that I'm like, oh, okay, I am a way. I am the way because I went from all the way in the darkness. You know, I was in prison. I was an addict. I had so many things that mm. were so many bad attributes that I now can relate to so many different people, and I can show them, like, look, I I've created this path for you to essentially look at and mirror in your own way. So. Mm it's i've i really have a problem when people get offended by words and just the the name uh someone saying this name and that name and they're saying no you're wrong because you're using that word when it's you can feel god is going to i feel that there is going to be some kind of final judgment for us i don't know i guess civilization will be recreated and they'll try again in whatever sense but i feel that god will judge based on what's inside of us what's in our heart and what's in our understanding in our mind and is it that are we following something because we want to be lustful is it you know are we giving ourselves over to something else like to that thing that's going to hurt us and make us miss the mark or you know sin means miss the mark or are we trying to be uh, people who are doing good for the sake of doing good, not for the sake of yes. benefiting ourselves later, but are we go- doing good because that's what God wants us to do because we're all mm-hmm. supposed to love each other and be one. What's your take on the different wordings? Do you uh, find that? So are you, a, uh, do you still practice Hinduism now? And do you think that that is the only way? No, I don't practice any religion now. I I, I pull from all of them really. And the, when we do my research, because I do a lot of research on ancient history, I pretty much dissect what probably is from source and then take out what's probably man-made, you know, because mm-hmm. there's a lot of man-made stuff. To think that, first of all, when I say man-made, I'm talking literally, right, within right. the patriarchy. And then just to think that humans didn't want to exert their own control in order to sway the public opinion over thousands of years because it's a pure it's a religion that's pure that doesn't make any sense uh if you look at almost every religion in the world that especially in the day and age not too long ago where religion pretty much ruled the state and you know the countries that the power was so involved in religion that the ones that were you know um you know at the head wanted to be able to manipulate the public in order to follow them more when it came to king henry the eighth creating, um, breaking away from the Catholic Church because of his reasons, right? Whether something beneficial came out of it later or not, his intent was in order to be able to do what he wanted to do. When it came to having to pay penance in order to basically go go to God, but now we realize that it's more of a personal relationship with God rather than having to pay, pay money to an institution in order to get to that level, right? So there are many truths in there. And if you look at it from a logical perspective and from a non-triggered perspective and a non-judgmental one, you can immediately pull from there what you think is the the truth and what has probably been added by humans. And not only that, it's actually out there what has been added. You can even find out the years it was added. You know, you can even look up King James Bible editions, years. It will give you the person who wrote it, when they wrote it, what they put in. 
Even the crucifixion story, there's like a two verses in there that wasn't even there until like a thousand years after it happened. Right? Oh, really? Yeah. Do you know which ones? Um, it's been so long since I researched okay. it. But um, but basically, there in the in the Council of Nicaea, there were multiple gospels. There was hundreds of gospels, and a lot of them were thrown out. And some of those cases, Jesus never even died. Hmm. Right. Yeah, so, that, that, that's interesting to me. I've I've looked at different things. Uh, and the way that I say I don't come from a Christian background. Uh, yeah. I well, I'm, I mean, kind of, but I was I only knew Sunday school from the ages of five to ten. I went some Sundays. I didn't really learn anything. But then last year, I was saved by Jesus after learning the astral realms, learning the chakra systems, all the other religions. I had demons chased out of me, and I was in this bliss that jesus christ saved my life so uh mm -hmm. it, it's it was strange for me you know at that time and, and i'm still trying to learn everything obviously um mm -hmm. but when i look back at i learned like I, I became psychic and i learned all these different things and i think he, he did die on the cross but i have come across recently different groups that think uh he didn't die but it's very interesting that everybody all of the cultures have a different perception of him but uh that he was a real person and that this story did happen the way uh, you know roughly the way that it's told in the bible like you said things have been added on and taken away from but i i do think that he died but it's because of the resurrection that people see him after and they're like oh well he obviously he didn't die he was yeah. just uh they thought he was dead and took him off the cross too soon right you know this the story of constantine that he basically made christianity the number one religion in the whole of the roman empire but there's a lot of evidence to suggest that he didn't even convert into christianity until right before he died where he basically was like well let me just make sure just in case right. you know right. and it's like he wasn't even pure in his intent in why yeah. he did what he did it was yeah, it's because jesus came to him in a vision essentially right mm -hmm. yeah so when it comes to the like what you're saying your story i don't feel any deity or god or anything is the only way but it's your way you know what i mean so like you can have a personal relationship so i think that's where a lot of people push back when you say that, when I say, or anybody else says that, well, no, maybe Jesus isn't the only way to God. It's almost like a direct offense to them because that completely obliterates what they feel is the truth and reality. But I say that it doesn't need to mean that because you can still have it as your way. It Maybe it's just not the way for every single person on earth. right? right. And there's been people that have said... Um, you know, Christian scholars that have said, well, if you're not aware of Jesus's name, then you're you're OK. Like if you're on an island um, somewhere and you've never even heard of Jesus, then it's OK. But then how does that make sense that right. as soon as I tell someone about it, you just expect them to change that moment? Well, what happened when people didn't? Well, we either killed them or forced them to convert. Is that OK as well? Right. And I think Jesus is the creator that he came down as that was his carnation uh at that time i say i think that there was a cre that the creator created many creations that then created creations and mm -hmm. that jesus is the one that created adam and eve because the creations that were here prior to that were enslaving their creations and mm -hmm. he wanted to free them from that but the only way he could do that is because of free will was he created his own creation that would then mix which is why uh 
Eve was purposely made in order to then procreate with the others so that we would all have a mixture of the iron blood and the copper blood, the two different seeds, if you will, Mm -hmm. and that he could call back his uh, creation and have everyone rise at the same time, which I think is happening now that we're all just ascending essentially. And uh, so I think that he came down at that time and was killed by his creation because he was showing uh, these Pharisees that were teaching their own way that they didn't want to see that their people be freed because that was the whole point of it was to free the slaves from oppression, which is, you know, it's still happening now. And, you know, there's a lot of different things uh, that were happening and, and why, but I, I do have this connection with Jesus, but I think that he is every way. I don't think he's the only, when we say the only way, I yeah. think that no matter what way you do it, like you were just saying, no matter what name you know it, and yeah. no matter what way you do, you are going through him. There is only there one is. way, and it's to be love and to love everybody like or love the neighbor as thyself and and love thyself as thy god you know or however it's word i know i just mess it up and christians will be on me for that but you know that's uh really that's why it's the only way it's because it's every way yeah i feel you yeah it just goes by many names you know yeah and that's that's the reason why within the conscious spiritual community that's not part of organized religion at all we're still using the term christ consciousness in order to represent what's going on on this planet right now yeah yeah Mm -hmm. for sure Uh, and you know there's so many different uh cultures and civilizations all over the place that there's uh many different ways that people can be reached you know for me i was someone who went to prison like i said i had addictions i had a lot of uh, mental disorders anxiety depression ocd those types of things and for I would not have stepped in a church. I wouldn't be saved yeah. in that way. I wouldn't have gone to a, a mosque. I wouldn't have gone to a temple of any uh, religion. So for me to be reached the way I was reached was through spirituality. Well, it was conspiracy theories and spirituality is how I was reached. And that's how mm. the message was conveyed to me, which is different than someone who's brought up in any number of religion and the message gets through to them as a child and then they don't have to go through the terrible things that I went through in order to learn this, you know? So yeah. we, there's so many different options because we're a full spectrum of color. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, rather than we're not a hive mind and it really, it bothers me when people want to force us into a box, into a hive mind. And even though their message may be like, we're supposed to love everyone. They're not actually doing that. They're, they're saying, no, you're bad, you're wrong, because they're so afraid, and God didn't give us the spirit of fear. You know, yeah, I've been uh, coming across Proverbs 3, 5 is really something I've been understanding more and more, is that we can't do this on our own understandings. We have to uh, trust in our God. We have to give our faith to God that, okay, God saved me this way. I know he can save someone else in their way. And if If I'm wrong right now, I feel that he'll lead me to the right way. And if they're wrong right now, he'll lead them to the right way. I have faith that I don't have to do that. I don't have to spend my time uh, making division, that I have to spend my time trying to find the similarities and and bringing unity to all of Mm -hmm. us and that God's going to bring us all together.
Yeah, I agree. You know, there's um, we spend a lot of humanity spend so much time judging others for not doing what yeah. they think they should be doing in order to basically set themselves up for a life they're not even in yet. You know, yeah. Yeah. like if I judge you, God, because you're not doing what you sh I think you should do, I'm gonna have a better place in heaven. You know? Yeah. And but if you look at the text in itself. It talks about loving thy neighbor, literally, like the information is there, you know, all the extra stuff, the judgment and everything really came with the power and control. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so what is your take on karma and the untouchables uh, in Hinduism? Do, is yeah. that something that you abide by or uh, how, what's your take on that part? Yeah. So those are kind of, you mean like as how they relate together or just as two separate things? Well, yeah. Well, how they relate together, and what's your opinion on? Do, would if you knew of someone to be a quote unquote untouchable, would you just yeah. walk by them and not help them? Or no, I mean, I'm not like um, culturally Indian at all. You know, even though my family does all that cultural stuff, but my p parents aren't like that either. My dad, like, for example, when we went to India once and we we're at a family's house, and um, this lady, an untouchable lady, was cleaning the house, and then the daughter there, my dad flipped out because he completely is anti-child labor you know <laughs> he was like and he, he like wanted to figure out how to pay for a college and get her out of it and we're brahmin which is like the higher caste so that doesn't really even exist right now except for certain areas um that are like that but a lot of people that have left india don't even have that mentality so when it comes to um untouchables let's first talk about how that even happened in the first place right so there was um, a migration of uh, an Aryan bloodline that came from the Eurasian steppes, which is current day North Russia. They came down to the Indus Valley civilization. And a little disclaimer out there, there's four different versions of this story. So if someone thinks that I'm saying the incorrect version, I'm just giving the general one because <laughs> there's an invasion version, there's a migration version, there's a version where it went the opposite way. So I'm just putting that disclaimer out there because it's really controversial this migration story because it goes with race and color of India. And a lot of people get extremely heated because um, they think that you're taking away their power by saying it in certain ways. So um, there was a migration that occurred. Some sort of mingling happened. There was currently a civilization that already existed in India, which we don't talk about too often, that predated 6000 BC. However, the Indus Valley civilization, which is in modern day Pakistan, Pakistan, Afghanistan area um, was is known to be the cradle of civilization for India. So there was a, a migration that occurred or some sort of mingling where these lighter skinned, um, probably like pretty much white or maybe little cream complexion individuals started coming down <clears throat> into this area and mingling with the Indus Valley civilization, pushing them down south into India, but also um, merging with them and interbreeding with them. The whole of North India, in the middle of India, there's a mountain range. And a lot of those pure-blooded uh, ones that stayed very dark and very brown and almost black even um, were on the other side of South India where the mountain range was. And a lot of the um, Aryan people that were coming from the Eurasian steppes didn't really go past that mountain range. So the ones in the South maintained their genetics over thousands of years longer because they had very little mingling with the, with the Aryans that were coming in. And then the Aryans, you know, um, spontaneously all over the place started interbreeding in North India, where I'm from, 
with um, the people that were there, making lighter skinned and darker skinned and all variations of skinned mm. Indians. This is how the caste system began. The lighter you were, the whiter you were, the uh, more you were able to basically focus on spirituality, them uh, being royal um, families and all the stuff. The darker you were, the more likely you were going to be um, either a farmer or landowner or an untouchable. untouchable. Wow. After a couple of thousand years, we get the system that we currently have now. However, it wasn't as bad as it wasn't like bad or terrible until the British came in and solidified the caste system even more so on a hardcore level in order to do what the West does best, divide and conquer. That's wow. how you get the, the current system. So it happened. It happened because of race and skill, skin color and all that stuff. But it was, wasn't in any way where people were hardcore disrespected like that um, until the British came. Then the disrespect happened. Now, when it comes to karma, which is also you could talk about it separately and together. That's the whole purpose of the fact that we incarnate where we're supposed to. And I don't think incarnating as an untouchable is because you have bad karma. I think life is about experiencing and i've probably been all types of things you know from a peasant to a king to a whatever you know mm -hmm. so um so yeah that's kind of just my my little take on it okay that's very interesting i haven't heard it fully explained like that so i, I really like that and it seems like it was white supremacy uh happening you know it happens everywhere uh for whatever reason it, it happens in mexico right now uh that all the leaders, they seem to be lighter skinned. And it even happens in the black community today in America where people who are lighter skinned, they they feel that they're uh, better than the darker skinned. Yeah. It's a very strange thing. And to me, I think, you know, the way that I understand it is the story is that the fallen angels, they came down and this was what was going on in the world's fairs, that they were showing uh, different size skulls and measured and said, look, these people are are down here and the white people have the best skull and it's up here and it's always been white supremacy. Mm -hmm. And it's not that, you know, Mimi and I here are white supremacists or that even our parents or anything, but it was the, how that's how it began that these fallen angels, I don't know that they were all white. I think that they made up the spectrum, but that these specific ones were white that came down and they started telling everyone they were better than everybody else because they had abilities, because they came from a higher dimensional plane. Where do you think that these Aryans came from? Do you, do you think that they were fallen angels, essentially? Or do you have any yeah. other idea? Well, I think the fallen angels date back further than that. I think these were just um, basically proto-European okay. tribes. And um, so... This is also the Greek. Let's do this. Let's do the Greek and India connection and then move that into Pythagoras and back to Jesus. Because All right, sounds good. That's a good, that's a good route right there. All right, so basically, if you look at Indian gods, half of them are the same as the Greek gods. Indra is Zeus. Athena is Saraswati. Indra has a lightning bolt, king of gods. Athena, every single thing, even the backstory of Saraswati is the exact same, right? Mm. Now, there's maybe there's a, a, a good amount, tens of gods that are the exact same gods, but just different names. So the question is, how do they have the same gods, right? And first of all, if you look at the pantheon gods all over Europe, you see that they're very similar. But then when you look at the Indian gods, because of the Indian culture, you don't people don't connect the dots that it's a part of the same pantheon of the white tribes of the Europe 
uh, European nation. So Indus Valley civilization existed. Hardly find any evidence of what happened there, right? Um, it even looks like it could have been exploded in a nuclear fallout because there's like glass sheets on the ground, right? Like flash heat. And um, we're, we're trying to find out like what kind of spirituality they had and all this stuff. And we found a, we found one cow on like this icon and we can't find anything else anywhere. So we're like, oh, maybe they were a cow cult. Then we see this one um, little st structure of someone meditating like this. Only one out of this civilization that was bigger than Egypt, like five times bigger than the Egyptian empire. Wow. Right. Right. And, um, and then we're like, oh, is that Shiva? Maybe Shiva was there. Oh, well, then what were the gods that were already in India when they moved down? But then these um, this migration occurred, and the Indus Valley civilization split up. They went which way? They went to the east, to the west, and the east, founding Anatolia tribes, eventually finding Min Min uh, Minoan tribes, eventually becoming all of Greece. And then the other ones went the other way. They went into India, migrating and integrating with the common people over there when they went down and they both migrated what did they take with them the gods that were brought there mm. the gods were the exact same gods so the greek gods had those gods that came down from the eurasian steppes that were from modern day north russia that were probably white to cream in complexion uh, and then some of the either they went independently to the west and be, eventually became the greek tribes and city-states or some of the Indus Valley civilization went with them. And then the rest of them went down and migrated and intermingled with the natives of India, taking their gods with them. But India, we know for sure, had already had a bunch of gods there. So that's why we have all these Greek gods combined with like 100 other gods in India creating modern day Hinduism. Wow. Yeah. So that was the migration routes. And um, you let you comment on that, and then we can go back into Greece and Pythagoras a bit. Yeah, that's very interesting uh, that some people think that the fallen means that it came from the north to towards the south. And that's how they, quote unquote, fell. And then St. Petersburg, Russia mm -hmm. could be the, the gates of St. Peter's gates to heaven. And yeah, there's a, a lot of if you've ever looked at St. Petersburg on like Google Earth or Google Maps, I suggest you look it up because it you see that it's the most beautiful structures there. And it's that used to be the capital of Russia back even in the 1800s. So that's what was the capital. Mm. I think it was in 1800, somewhere in there that it got switched to Moscow. But it's a very interesting concept that maybe this realm that we're in, it's like some kind of spiral going upwards and that there was, it was cut off for whatever reason. And now there's the quote unquote ice wall that goes around. I don't know about that part but it's just very interesting that uh you're saying that they, they these cream colored or, or white cream colored beings came from north russia so that's just very interesting yeah and i don't to to think about it like i don't doubt that it could have been direct fallen angels at that time you know yeah do you know uh, how long ago that was or approximately yeah, 6000 bc okay yeah that's when uh enoch uh his father uh jared that's when he was around and that's when it said the fallen angels came down themselves yeah so it's, it's 6000 bc was when this civilization started and you know the if this was the case and we're going with the fallen angels definitely they would probably be up in that area at that time and then around 2000 years later they migrated down and around 4000 bc we start seeing the um 
the collapse of the Indus Valley civilization and the spreading out. Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. <laughs> and that, yeah. that collapse, that was in Moses's time, right? And the 4,000 BC was when he led out of the Exodus. Yeah, which is interesting because um, Egypt, Egypt, Mesopotamia, and the Indus Valley civilization literally form a triangle right there. Boom, wow. Egypt across the the um, across the Dead Sea, I think it is, through Yemen into Afghanistan, Indus Valley civilization, and then Mesopotamia right there. Literally, the three largest um, empires and most prosperous and um, full of information that literally seeded almost every religion in the world were well, all three right there. But the interesting wow. thing was uh, Mesopotamia and Egypt had a hierarchy. There is no evidence in the Indus Valley civilization. It's like three to five times bigger than all of them. No, no evidence of hierarchy, no evidence of um, um, having to pay some sort of um, authority figure they're trying to figure it out, but it looks like it was like a civilization based on equality and they had wow. implemented some sort of, maybe some sort of fifth dimensional existence, you know, and wow. then, you know, and then the migration happened. Yeah. Well, are they, uh, maybe the Tuscans? Are you familiar with the, the, or not the Tuscans, the, uh, Etruscans that just popped up and where Rome kind of took a lot of their stuff from these people who just, they said that they just appeared out of nowhere and that they didn't have a hierarchy. It was men and women were equal and, and then Rome just conquered them and stole all their stuff. Well, what's the, but, but Rome wasn't for another 4,000 years Okay. after that, you know? So, yeah. but I'd be interested in who that is. And I, that's happened multiple times, I think, because if you look at the, the Christian civilization that existed thousands of years later, after Rome actually came into existence, that actually, was in the same area as the Indus Valley civilization. It's called the Kushan civilization because the area that the Indus Valley civilization is in is where Hindu Kush is, the Hindu Kush Valley, which is actually where the first cannabis plant was cultivated, which is where the word Hindu Kush comes from because it was a wow. it was cannabis that was found there. So <clears throat> that civilization was the only one on the planet at that time that had complete equality. Romans, Greeks, Buddhists, Hindus, everybody was allowed to be in that empire at the same time and walk around freely without being persecuted. Wow. Very yeah. interesting. Uh, mm -hmm. So do you want to uh, go into the Pythagoras and Jesus? Yeah. So I just like, I spent the last six months doing a lot of research on Pythagoras and I just did a presentation for a few hundred people on it a couple of weeks ago called the truth, the life and times of Pythagoras in which my mind was completely blown. First of all, let's, I'll say a couple of things before I go into the Jesus stuff. Um, Pythagoras knew that he was incarnated on earth at least four other times. He knew what his incarnations were and he knew details about it. He was one of the first vegetarians in Greece. He believed that, um, that through mathematics and harmonics, you can find the, um, through mathematics and music, you can find God that mathematics and music was God and God was a harmony that we need to cultivate within us. And through understanding numbers and numerology and his numerology literally became the numerology in the Bible, right? I have like three slides on all of the numerology that he came up with. That is the biblical numerology it was also taken by the Masons, the 33 degrees and all that stuff is all his information. So there was, as I was doing this presentation, I was reading about his life and I was just like, wait a second, this just sounds too much like Jesus. And then I started looking up if anybody had ever done anything on 
you know, uh, Pythagoras and Jesus's similarities. And I literally found a post from like 420 atheists on Facebook from like 2005 or something saying like, just with three things about the similarities. I'm like, wow, no one's really gone deep into it. So I decided to spend a day just trying to figure out all of them. And I'm going to go through them right here right now. Some of them okay. anyway. Okay. I, and I say, so Yeshua, right? Uh, Pythagoras' life and the life of Jesus have too many coincidences not to be mentioned. Both were known as the son of God or the son God himself, the God himself incarnated. Both had followers that were like apostles that went to spread their knowledge around. The, and the acoustomaticoi, the acoustomaticoi, and the mathematicoi were the two orders of the Pythagoreans. The acoustomaticoi were the ones that followed the aesthetic lifestyle. The, um, the aesthetic lifestyle meaning um, no um, no sex, um, no bad thoughts in meditation all the time, worshiping, um, spiritual life, and the mathematicoi that were allowed to give him the secrets of of what God is through the numerology and through the harmonics that he'd cultivated. Both of them were the precursors to the clergy and the secret order of the Freemasons that became literally utilizing, you know, some say Luciferian, but utilizing Christianity for their own benefits. The Rosicrucians directly come from the Mathematicoi and the Knights Templar as well. Wow. So his two orders were literally the precursors to all the orders of this clergy and the segmentation that happened within Christianity. They both never claimed to produce all the awareness themselves, right? Instead, they actually, both of them never wrote anything down themselves. Instead, their followers attested and began worshiping them after their deaths. So they're both even known to not have not only wrote um, anything down themselves, but they never even really said, this is my info, this is my info, this is my info, right? Mm -hmm. they, they gave it and said, even Pythagoras, I got this from source. I got this from my plant medicine ceremony. I got this from ancient Egypt. These are his words, right? And Jesus, the same thing, like that this is coming from divine revelation. And then we can also track back his his history in India and things like that. But his followers loved the followers loved them so much that they just completely neglected all of the evidence of where they got the information from and just solely started worshiping them. Both taught about reincarnation, book of reincarnation and the resurrection of Christ are the two things that I referenced there. Both never wrote anything down themselves. Their apostles did the writing. Both were known to walk on water and bilocate in two places at the same time. Hmm. Both of the information was utilized and adopted by the elite. They were both anti-elitism and believed in equality. So Pythagoras is known repeatedly. It's so interesting because the the um, I don't even like to say Masons or Illuminati anymore because I don't even know the names anymore or what really is going on. There's some sort of order, but um, they they took and they worshipped Pythagoras because. Due to his information, they were able to build and construct society in their own image through Rome and beyond. So, however, it's been quoted so many times. Pythagoras was anti-elitism beyond anything. Jesus, he threw out the moneylenders for a reason, you know. So they were so anti, uh, he, Pythagoras is so anti-elitism that he was trying to um, persuade people in Italy Right, he was trying to persuade people in Italy uh, and the kings and the um, uh, authoritarians there on being vegetarian and doing different things and adopting certain lifestyle so that they could stop being so aggressive. He would even say that 
just if you start killing animals just freely like this, what's going to stop you from killing your brother, right? Mm. Um, and then we have Parthenesis, which is Pythagoras's mother, which means young woman or virgin. Okay, much evidence to suggest that Parthenis had a virgin birth. It was common in Greek in those days to believe the gods would interbreed with humans. So when we have the virgin birth from from Jesus, it's not it wasn't an uncommon thing because in the pagan world in Greece and Italy, it was common as anything because the gods would always come down and um, have a kid with. It was throughout all their mythology. It was a continuation of that, mm-hmm. and. In, even in Greece, there was an order of priestesses that existed that practiced rituals in Greece specifically for virgin births, right? And his mother was a part of it. Mm-hmm. They had rituals and policies around what was considered a virgin and your body could be, and there was also a way to restore a body to its virgin state. So that's just a, a little bit of information there on, you know, there were some things that I had in my mind as well I was going to share. It'll probably come up as you're talking right now. But that's just some of you know the connections. Yeah, it's uh, very interesting. Uh, that I mean, I never heard of Pythagoras being uh, mentioned. You know, there's a class of uh, I don't want to say class, but there's many Osiris, uh, Buddha. There's there's so many different people that are mentioned in, with Jesus. I've never heard Pythagoras, so that is uh, yeah. very interesting to me. Well, actually, uh, I remember what I was going to tell you now. Let me just add this ahead. to it. So, um, so Pythagoras was born in um, in in Greece, and then he actually, as soon as he was born, he went all over the the known world. And his first religion that he was actually uh, raised in was Zoroastrianism, because his dad was a merchant, and his dad would take him around the world. So he, he even lived in Egypt for twenty years. Then, when he came back to um, his um, his island in Greece, an authority figure, a, a tyrant, had taken over the land. So he moved to Italy, to Croton, Italy. So all of this information was actually um, was actually dispersed through Italy more than it was in Greece. And then a couple hundred years later, we get the Roman Catholic Church coming about in a country in which all the Pythagoras' views was predominant and almost solely cultivated. Mm. In the whole area. So, on top of everything that I said right there, um, it makes perfect sense because his views had permeating the whole of Italy, and the Roman Empire was not only using his information because he literally lived there until his dying breath, but um, his acousmaticoi and his mathematicoi were the predominant orders within Italy as well as the Vatican Church was being created. Oh, and that that brings up the uh, the cymatics and how the cathedrals, cathedral type of deal, uh, the windows. Uh, if you were to take out, remove the stained glass windows, and yeah. wind was to come through, it would maybe be a healing center, uh, which is goes into what you're talking about right here. Yep, exactly. Yeah, wow, that is uh, some great great information uh, that you have given us. Uh, so before we leave out, I I do want to ask because some people, when they they see all of these different characters having a lot of different characteristics, they say, "Oh, none of the stories were true. They're all metaphor. None of them. They're all about you." Where do you give credit to that? Each of these were actual beings that were actually experiencing these different things and had these different characteristics, and that it's also metaphorical for ourselves, possibly. 
or do you take a hard stance on it only being metaphor or only being literal? Yeah, so I've gone back and forth over the last 21 years. You know, I went through 100% not believing that Jesus existed to the opposite of that. And now, yeah, I'm somewhere in between. I think, I honestly feel that they all existed. Okay, okay. like I, I think that the, right now, just by like checking my ego to the side and tuning into the energy, knowing everything I know and still thinking that it actually happened, you know, because yeah. I could have convinced myself that it didn't with all this information. Right. Um, but I do think that a lot of stories were shared, right, and passed along and a lot of things were added. So we don't have complete clarity of, you know, what happened where. But then also it seems like there is a, a cosmic recipe, if you will, that keeps happening in a certain way. And maybe that has something to do with bringing in specific avatars, you know, mm. when it comes to virgin births, when it comes to certain types of upbringings and things like that. But yeah, just to get back to it, I, it's definitely a metaphor because all of these beings are teaching us how to be like them, you know, right. how to live like them. And it happened multiple times. Just to say it happened one time for just one group of people wouldn't make any sense. Um, it's definitely happening all the time. It's probably going to happen in the next few thousand years again as we're evolving in consciousness a lot of the information that came out from these beings, it seems that humanity wasn't ready to fully process, mm. you know? Um, but the reason why I think, because if you look at history, you'll see every 2000 years, uh, the change of every Zodiac, a new religion pops up on the planet. Even with Moses, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai, was he, um, I don't think he actually killed those people down there. I think that was human made stuff. What happened is, they were worshiping because um, you know how like basically he created an earthquake and all that and was really upset because everybody was still worshiping the old gods, right? Mm -hmm. his, his followers. What happens is every 2000 years, a Zodiac changes in the sky. When the Zodiac shifts, a new religion emerges. That was the end of one of the Zodiacs and the beginning of a new one. He had gone and got the new covenant for the new age and he brought it down to his people, but they were still worshiping the bull, the old Zodiac. So, and so you, one thing, you can't judge them for doing something they've been doing for 2000 years, right? And especially when it just occurred. So the, the destruction and stuff, I think didn't happen because the judgment from that wouldn't make sense from a divine being. However, every 2000 years, a new religion emerges on the planet that eventually becomes the number one religion. The last one was Christianity. And the reason why it was literally the last one before the next evolution, which is the unity consciousness, is because it's really important in our evolution. Understanding the truths of Christ and what it represented and what it meant for this world and deciphering all that information, I think is extremely important for the, the days and the years to come. So I would in no way say that I'm, um, you know, disrespecting Christianity. I feel that it holds a, a, an incredibly beautiful place. It just is a shame that has been utilized in such a disharmonic way. And mm -hmm. now we're getting to an age where we can start understanding the truth. And we've done a whole entire, I've done a two day, 10 hour day conference called the truth of the Bible, right? And if the whole world looked at that thing, we could like, and all accepted that kind of information, we could actually utilize Christ consciousness and the Christian message in a positive way for everybody. You know, mm -hmm. so it's not like it's it's too late. It's too far gone. This religion is harmful for people. It's nothing like that. It's more like we just need to really look at it from a lens of unity rather than division and then move forward from there. Uh, there we go. That's greatly said. I do have one more question since you are such a wealth of knowledge. 
uh, I just want to ask that uh, if you've ever come across the uh, the phenomena where the uh, alien abduction phenomena or also the uh, the sleep paralysis when people use the name of Jesus Christ, then it stops or it'll go away. I've actually had this experience. I was abducted yeah. my entire life until I was saved by Christ. And then I when I explained earlier, you know, what happened to me last year and then I was no longer abducted. And I don't know why that is or or what is with that have you ever come across anybody or other names being used to be able to stop this phenomena yeah well i would say it's twofold that the the energy of the christ definitely holds its own energy and then also your belief in certain things also does it as well how much you you're you're like you believe something so much that nothing can even penetrate that vibration right And, and so i've heard people use you know are you off the when I first got into this awareness and I wasn't even into like religion at this point, people were telling me if if you see an ET and the ET maybe has a, a negative intentions for you and you don't know, you ask, are you off the Christ consciousness? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's a, literally a law of the universe. It needs to respond. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because this planet is the energy of the Christ consciousness, right? And the Sophianic energy, the Christ consciousness, the divine masculine, the Sophianic is the divine feminine. They're actually both resurrecting right now. And um, so the other thing that I've heard people say is, are you of the light? Just as plain as that, mm-hmm. you know, you, like invo- invoking the light in themselves. But I have heard many people say the same thing that you said with they, they, and some of them actually have become very fundamental Christians because they utilize that. And then that was kind of their um, answer to that must be the only way because yeah. answered for me you know their proof yeah, yeah. I, i've heard uh, a lot of different people who practice different religions uh, that when this is happening to them uh no other name stopped it except for christ and i even talked to someone not long ago who said that they were saying uh you know god please make this stop god please make this stop and the one thing that came to them was uh, called jesus's name and, and when he did so maybe jesus is the protector of all, us I don't, you know, I don't really know. I just know that it worked for me. So yeah, since you have so much information, I mean, this was such a great wealth of knowledge. I figured you'd have some information into that aspect as well. Yeah. I mean, like if you're, say you're an Indian, you don't know English, right? You want Jesus is won't even come to your head. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, so what do they say? Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, it's a uh, very interesting. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, uh it's one of those things that I guess we'll find out eventually, maybe, you know, that yeah. when, when we all ascend, uh, that maybe we'll find out some of these questions that we can't really get answers to, but we can only speculate on. Yeah. And that's why I like the, you know, the Rig Veda, the, my number one quote that I love so much. There are many pathways to the same destination, same way I started it off, you know, mm-hmm. and each pathway can be as relevant it just really means it is how much belief you have in that path and that can be your liberation yeah and the bhagavad gita i i say it uh all the time i actually have a copy down there behind me is that that really helped me understand when arjun is talking to krishna and and he's saying no matter what you can't do someone else's job for them you know no matter Mm -hmm. how good you are doing their job you can't do it for them. And I think that yes. goes hand in hand with what you were just saying, that there's many ways you can't force someone to be like you. You can't live their life for them. They all have to go through it with themselves. 
right? I exactly. think we all um, find our own truths through our own experiences. And you sometimes you can't force your truth on someone else because it may not actually be their truth, but they're, we're all headed the same direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so the way I like to end my discussions is I like to ask my guest, what is your number one go-to grounding technique of how to stay human, you know, with mm-hmm. all this information and possibilities out there? How do you stay centered? So I chant. I use chanting. And there's a few different types of chanting. Definitely uh, three breaths at first. And um, sometimes I just do three ohms, right? I'm going to give you three different ways from from the the least effective for me to the most effective. So the ohms, you know, just like in the moment with a group of people going somewhere. Hey, guys, do you want to do three ohms together? And then there's the... um, then there's the seed sound, the chakra seed sounds. Every chakra has this own sound, okay? Um, Ram, Lam, whatever, three times each, every single one of them, breathing in and breathing out, okay? So, but then I like the last one, and the last one I like the most because it's universal, uh, and I teach full-on, like, like 10-hour courses, three-day events on sound chanting and frequency science, and we go over this stuff. And um, the last one I like the most because... I love to give people something that's non-dogmatic. And even though Om is technically the sound of the universe and chakra seed sounds are universal sounds that came before religion, uh, organized religion, a lot of people that might be of another religion might be like, well, I don't really resonate with that. So what I say is do the vowels, chant the vowels, A-E-I-O-U, three times each, full breaths, chant them, because the vowels weren't even implemented into language written language until 2000 years after we even had language yeah i i actually think that's what god's name is is a e i o u if you were exactly. to, it, it would be pronounced something like yahuwah something yeah. to that way and they couldn't write down the vowels because it was so sacred so they mm-hmm. just wrote down the consonants uh, so that's, that's that's a whole other freaking podcast right there you yeah. know <laughs> like, wow. so um a e i o u um like for example egypt's ancient name kemet it actually wasn't kemet it was kumt KMT, the E's were added 2,000 years later. Mm-hmm. And the vowels were added because we were devolving in consciousness and the vowel sounds activated your soul and your connection to the divine. So wow. we did not need it when we were already activated. But as we devolved, humans were like, oh, let's add these things in there so we can keep ourselves at that level of consciousness. So when you do wow. those three times each, mm-hmm. A-E-I-O-U, full breaths, and then you, this is what I love doing. You do one of them three times, and then you just sit with it and you just register in your mind where the frequency vibrated. Then you do the next one, the next one, next one, and then you can good to go to whatever you need to do after that. Wow. Wow. That is, you have some great information here, Neil. You are very studied. Where can the people find you? Sure. Yeah. You can find me at portal2ascension.org. Sign up there. I've, you know, I've curated over 10,000 hours of presentations with definitely over 3,000 speakers. And um, on my website, if you sign up, this you sign up on the homepage, you actually get 3,000 hours of free presentations. It's like Netflix for consciousness. <laughs> and when you sign up, uh, you'll get a username and password. You know, you can log in, check it out. And then also our upcoming events. We have we have one on ancient Sumerian Mesopotamia, a 10-hour event coming up in a couple of weeks, actually. And then the last thing is I'm trying to grow my YouTube right now. We have like 45,000 on there. But wow. um, so go to youtube.com slash portal to ascension. Every single day of the week, we have something going out there because with all of our archives, we're actually, especially because of what's been going on the last couple of years, 
we've like kind of like pulled out all the stops you know it's just like non-stop awareness now so every day we got like two to three hours of presentations being streamed live on our youtube all right everybody i really suggest you go check out all that stuff because like i said in the beginning uh, neil was portal to ascension was one of those things that i first got linked up with in conjunction with edge of wonder so it was like i had those two great things going on right away and uh, you know, I it really helped me get to understand everything I understand. So I want to thank you so much for coming on, Neil. This was a great, great conversation. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank and we'll, we'll say goodbye to our audience. Goodbye, everybody. We'll talk.